might have heard a preview last night already. Uh, but Pastor Steve, for those of you who haven't seen him yet, he is senior pastor of his church in Goldsboro, North Carolina, and he's the president of the Fellowship Network. The Fellowship Network is an association of churches. We're non-denominational, and we're not affiliated with a specific denomination. We're a member of the Fellowship Network, which is an association of like-minded, spirit-filled churches all across America. And they elect different uh, officers for four-year terms, and Pastor Steve is the current president of the Fellowship Network. So it's a big honor to have him here. His wife Sharon is here also. Uh, so greet them after service, but welcome Pastor Steve as he comes up this morning. Thank you. Bless you. Love you. What an honor it is to be here this morning, and most importantly, to be in the presence of the Lord. In His presence is where we find fullness of joy, and at His right hand is where there are pleasures forevermore. Amen. The very thing that people are looking for in the world and all kinds of directions that they're going, we have it in the presence of God. Amen. And wherever two or three are gathered in His name, guess what? He's in the midst. He's in the middle. He's in the center. So it's a real honor and a privilege to be with you today. I just honor Pastor Darrell, my great friend, and I just love him and his family. What a blessing he's been. He's been to our church and preached, and our people wanted to keep him, but y'all had to have him back here. So anyway, and, uh, and then Dr. Merrill, what a, just an honor to be with him and spend some time last evening together and, and hear about India and uh, what he's doing. It, this is a hero in the faith right here, amen, and just an uh, honor to be with you. And then Jen, of course, we've known each other since we were kids and just an honor to to be able to share with her. And then it's always a privilege to have my wife of 32 years. If you will stand, Sharon, let everyone see you. She's not always able to travel with me, but uh, she teaches in the, the college system and uh, there in North Carolina. And uh, her last summer session was Wednesday. So as soon, I picked her up at the end of her session at 12 o'clock we bolted to the airport, and we've been here since Wednesday for some meetings. And uh, unfortunately, uh, we have a 2.30 flight today, so, and we have to turn in our rental car, so we're going to have to uh, rush after the service, so we won't be able to enjoy the picnic. Uh, but that just means we'll have to come back, right? Everything has been so good here today. The brass section, I mean to tell you, everything's been wonderful. It kind of reminded me of of the, the story of the pastor, and uh, uh, he, he went to the church, and so he got out his very best sermon. It was, you know, kind of his initial message, and, and so, you know, he preached it, and when he finished, he thought he had crossed every, you know, dotted every I, crossed every T, everything was just right, but uh, he was standing in the back of the service at the end, and he was shaking hands, and, and uh, people were, you know, coming by being cordial, and well, this one little lady, she came by and she said, Pastor, I just wanted to let you know that's probably the worst sermon I've ever heard in all my life. <laughs> that just kind of shocked him a little bit because it didn't, you know, kind of fit. So, well, a few minutes later, <laughs> this same little old, she comes by again. <laughs> and she said, I just want to tell you one more time, that's probably the worst message I've ever heard <laughs> in all my life. And so... That discouraged him. He was walking around with his head hung down through the hallway. And one of the leaders in the church saw him and stopped him and said, Pastor, Pastor, what's wrong? 
And he began to describe that, that lady. He said, oh, don't worry about her. He said, she's about half here and half there and just walks around repeating what everybody else says. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is so good today. I mean, thank God for our freedom. He that the Son is set free is free indeed. Man, I, I thank God for our freedom. You know, our, our founding uh, fathers and mothers had a vision for this country. And that's what I want to talk about today, uh, a, a vision. But I, I believe more than that, I believe that they had a vision for the lost, the unsaved. And, and I, I just want to challenge us. And, and as I travel throughout our network of ministers and churches, I, I feel a mandate and a, just a burden from God to challenge our churches, you know, not to just do church, but to be the church. Because and, and, uh, that's, that's who we are. It's not walls, it's not mortar, it's not carpet. Or, uh, it, it's made up of people, made up of human beings. We are the church. We're the body of Christ. And, and so I, I really want to challenge us to, to be the church. And, and I'm so thankful for our heritage and the vision that our founding fathers had. In, in, the, in 1620, the pilgrims, upon arriving in America, formed what is called the Mayflower Compact. And, and here it is. The beginning words of it are, In the name of God having undertaken for the glory of God an advancement of the Christian faith, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia. That's in the Mayflower. That's in the founding documentation of this nation. That we're here in the name of God, for the glory of God, and for the advancement of the Christian faith. Amen? Because there's, there, there's no other way to the Father but through Jesus. And so I am so thankful that they had a vision for our country. They had a vision. Our founding fathers had a vision for those who were not here yet. Those who were not saved yet. Those who were not a part of the family of God yet. Vision. Without it, Proverbs says that the people perish. Without a vision, the people perish. And I kind of have my own little version, and I say, without people, the vision perishes. Because the two go hand in hand. Helen Keller said, uh, of course, we know that she was a very gifted and godly uh, woman that um, had blindness uh, from childhood. The only worst thing, she said, than being blind is having sight but no vision. The only wor worst thing than being blind is having sight, but no vision. I'm so thankful that they had a vision for this nation. They had, they had a vision for this country. I'm so thankful that your leaders had a vision for this church. I remember the first time that I came to Christian Life Church, you were worshiping in the gym still. This building was not even here yet. But now we sit in the fulfillment of vision. Thank God for vision. And the inspiration that it gives to us for the future. The vision that God has for us is a vision for the lost. That's the vision for the church. It's a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by a conviction that it should be. This is the way it ought to be. This is the way it should be. People should be a part of the family of God. They should enjoy the blessings that you and I are enjoying today. It is seeing beyond the artificial boundaries 
that have been imposed by the world as it is that sometimes create within us a pessimistic view that says, well, this is the way it's always going to be. I'm here to declare unto you that faith in God, anything can change. I'm here to declare unto you that with God, all things are possible. I'm here to declare unto you that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm here to declare unto you that we are more than conquerors through Him who gave His life and died on the cross and rose from the dead that you and I could have life and have it more abundantly. We don't need to see the world through a pessimistic view. We need to see it through the eyes of Jesus, through the eyes of Christ. I want to look at the world through the eyes of Jesus. And the eyes of Jesus was a vision for the lost. Would you say that with me? A vision for the lost. A vision for the lost. My heart is burdened. My heart is burdened for those unsaved. My heart is burdened for those that are confused and in spiritual darkness. And we are increasingly becoming a nation and a community of unchurched, unsaved, People In my uh, county that I live in, we have approximately 126,000 people. Just a small county. I live in a small city. And uh, on any given Sunday, only about 25% of that 126,000 are attending church as active believers in Christ. So we have a huge harvest field right there in our backyard. You don't have to cross the pond to find needs. We don't have to even leave our own neighborhoods to find people that are lost and unsaved. We don't have to leave our city. We know that people around us are unsaved, confused, and in spiritual darkness. But God has called us, and God has commissioned us. Can I ask a question right quick? I like to do this in churches. How many of you are in the ministry? How many of you are in the ministry? I'm fixing to change that. All right, now put your hands down. How many of you are believers? How many of you are believers? You're believers in Christ. Guess what? If you're a believer, you're in ministry. I want to change the mindset. Because that's the only way that we're going to change the world. That's the only way that we're going to reach the lost with this vision that Jesus had. Is that we got to understand that these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I want to empower you. I I want to bring an empowerment message to the body today that wakens up this, this great ministry that you have within you, that you have been commissioned and you have been called and you have been authorized by God to be His ministers in every environment, whether you're in the break room whether you're in the college classroom, whether you're at the club, no matter where you may be, the, the golf course or, 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 or in your career, you're in the ministry. We don't, we don't leave our ministry here in the church. We take our ministry into the world. Amen? Praise God. So I have a challenge today to have a vision for the lost. Here's what Jesus saw when He saw... The crowds. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, I'm going to read from the voice. And here's what it says Whenever crowds came to him, or King James, I said, when he saw the crowds, when Jesus saw the crowds, 
He had compassion for them. Because they were so deeply distraught, malaised, and heartbroken. That's what he saw. And they seemed to him like lost sheep without a shepherd. That's why, in other words, the vision of Jesus was he saw them lost. He saw them wandering without a shepherd. And he was moved with compassion. I, I, I pray right now that we could receive the vision of Jesus for the lost that moves us with compassion. That we begin to realize and begin to see the lost not as uh, our enemy. We must stop seeing the lost as our enemy. We, should, we have to stop seeing people who look different than us or act different than us. And the, this generation uh, certainly looks different than the generation before it and the generation before it and the generation before it. And yet, we still have a mandate from God because God looks beyond the outward appearance and He sees the heart. And Jesus was moved with compassion when He saw the crowds. He was moved with compassion when He saw people. In other words, He looked beyond our fault and He saw our need of eternal salvation with Jesus. He saw our need of life in Christ. He saw that need within us, that void, that emptiness. And one of the, the great stories in the Bible that I believe that exemplifies and models this, the vision that Jesus had for the lost, is in the book of John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, we, be, we see the story of the, the woman of Samaria. We see where Jesus said in chapter 4, verse 4, that He must go through Samaria. Now, for those of us that may not realize, that was quite an interesting statement. Because Jews didn't, matter of fact, they bypassed Samaria. They ignored Samaria. Uh, it was a, a detour. You didn't... It was a detour to have to go through Samaria. And, and, and it, it, took, uh, uh, it took some extra effort uh, on the part of Jesus. Matter of fact, it says that when Jesus got there, that He was wearied from His journey. And so He sat down at Jacob's well. He sat down at that well. And He, he said, I must go through Samaria. Why? Because He had a vision for the lost in Samaria. He had a vision for a lost woman in Samaria that he cared about and that he loved and that he wanted to reach with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Bible says that Jesus went at the sixth hour and he sat on the well, the well of Jacob. And he waited for this woman to arrive. Aren't you glad that Jesus positioned Himself for you and me? Aren't you glad that Jesus was willing to take... I don't know where He found you, but I thank God He found you. He found me at a beach. <laughs> That's where I was. I was at a beach, living it up, living apart from God and, and running from the Lord. But Jesus, He came and He sat on my well and He waited for me to arrive. And he introduced himself to me. When she gets to the well, of course, it's a very interesting story because uh, the women of that day 
would gather early in the morning to, to gather their water for the day. They would come early. Well, this is interesting because this woman came the opposite of the other women. She came at the middle of the day. And Jesus was there. The reason why that she came in the middle of the day is because this woman uh, was not accepted by the other women. This woman was rejected and this woman was ostracized. She was a part of the malaise and distraught. And so therefore, she did not go when the other women arrived at the well. She went at the noon hour. She went whenever she could go and be isolated and not have to interact. Because of her resume, her pedigree, her past. Sometimes, anybody here realize you have a past? We have a past, and sometimes that past causes us to feel ashamed or not feel like we're worthy or not feel like we're valued because we made mistakes, because we we made bad choices, because we made bad decisions. And this woman had made those kind of decisions and, and, and she had suffered the, the rejection and, and she'd felt the shame. And so she showed up at 12 o'clock, but Jesus was waiting on her. He was waiting for her. Oh, aren't you glad that He loves us enough to wait for us? Aren't you glad that the, the lost just don't need finding, they need saving? And let me tell you something about your past. Your past is just a place of reference. It's not a place of residence. You can't go back to yesterday. You can't do anything about the mistakes of the past, but you can do something about your today. You can do something about your tomorrow. And that's why Jesus showed up at the well that day. That's why He was waiting for this woman. And when she arrived, He said, Give me a drink. She was astonished. She couldn't believe it. She said, you're a rabbi, you're a Jew. What are you doing talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. <laughs> he said to her, give, I'm going to give you some water, and the water I'm going to give you, you'll never thirst again. She said, you don't even have anything to draw with. <laughs> if you know, there was a whale sitting on a whale. <laughs> The water of life was not in the well. The water of life was sitting on the well. (laughs) Jesus interacts with her and begins a conversation with her. I I want to encourage us to be willing to engage in conversation about Jesus with anybody. Be willing to engage in conversation about Jesus with everybody. God's no respecter of persons. Everybody deserves to hear the gospel. I'm going to say that again. Everybody deserves to hear the gospel. Everybody deserves to hear your story, where Jesus brought you from, what He did in you, what He did for you. He changed your life. And others need to hear about it, that there's hope in Christ. And Jesus says to her, she said, go and tell your husband, I don't have a husband. Oh, oh my goodness, you're exactly right. You don't have a husband. Matter of fact, you've had five husbands. Five last names. Five weddings. Five honeymoons. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. 
Jesus read her mail. I even know Jesus could read mail before there was email. Amen? Amen? Before there was ever all these devices that we have today. I mean, you know, the Holy Spirit empowered him to do ministry. And he said, the man that you're with is not even your husband. Wow. You know that much about me? You know, God knows all about us. I, I, love, this, I love this statement, Pastor. I am known, yet I am loved. Wow. Praise God. Wow. God knows my weaknesses. God knows my mistakes. God knows He knew her past. He knew her mistakes. He knew her bad choices. He knew she was trying to find fulfillment in relationship after relationship after relationship when there is never any fulfillment truly until you meet Jesus. But He loved her. Enough to position himself at the well, Jacob's well, in Samaria. And talk to her about not just her past, but to change her future. Why? Because Jesus had a vision, not just of who she was, but he had a vision for what she could be. And what she should be. I'm telling somebody right now. Somebody's getting this right now. Because you realize God saw us just the way we were. Jesus saw me just as I am. But he didn't just see who I was. He saw who I could become. He saw who I could be. He saw who you could be. He saw that you could be the righteousness of God. Christ, righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He saw that you could be the, you're the apple of his eye. He saw and he loved you in spite of. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him does not have to have perish, but can have everlasting now the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And how you know he was destroying her life? She was in bondage. She was a part of a life of rejection. She was rejected and, and living apart in a, in a lifestyle of shame. Just the way we are. And he sees what we can become. He sees who you can be. And when you put your trust in him, she did. She put her trust in him. She got so excited until she said, she ran back into town. She said, come see a man who's told me all things. Is this not the Christ? That's what the word of Bible, the Bible says. Is this not the Christ? Is this not the anointed one? Is this not the Messiah? Come see a man. Come see the Christ, the Son of the living God. The same revelation that Peter had when Jesus said, Who do men say that I am in Matthew 16, 18? And Peter said, 
I, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Peter said, Ah, upon this rock I'm going to build my church upon your confession of faith, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. See, God can't be figured out, but He can be revealed. When He revealed Himself to her, and she saw that He was the Christ. I'd be glad He revealed Himself to you. How many of you are glad that you see Him as Christ, the Son of the living God? Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. So, so here, here's a life that's changed. Here's a life that was lost. Here's a life that was rejected. And yet Jesus had a vision for her when she was lost. We the church... I want, to see, I want to see people through the eyes of Christ. I, I, want, to, I want to believe, I want to, I want to believe God can change anybody. I think oftentimes we give up too soon. But I want to tell you something. His grace is sufficient. His mercy is a renewable resource. Every existing day. And he wants to extend his love and his grace and his mercy to the broken people, to the hurting people, to the lost. And he wants to use us to reach, to find, and to bring Christ to the unchurched the unsaved, the marginalized, and those that are broken. Amen? Amen. We have such a a great harvest in front of us. I want to tell you, we have the most amazing opportunity because now today we have communication devices, a plethora of opportunity whereby we can communicate the gospel. You know, we're on Facebook Live, (laughs) reaching into countries once that could never hear the gospel. Now we're sending our missionaries, Pastor Merrill, people are going into places of the world, and they're hearing the gospel. Amen? Amen? Because, let me give you you three quick things right here, and I'm, I'm wrapping it up. Three things that we see in this, in this, Interaction, this encounter with Jesus and the woman at the well. We see three things. Number one, Jesus went to her. We got to go to where they are. The Bible doesn't say that the world comes to church. But the Bible says that the church goes into the world. (laughs) So, yeah. Say it with me. Go into the world. So you can't take go out of the gospel, can you? If you take go out of gospel, the word gospel, all you got is a spell. <laughs> Amen? We, 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 we're, we've been called to go. We, we don't, you know, it, it's not just for us to put a sign out in the, in the yard and, and expect people to come. No. It's, it's for us to go, reach out to them, minister to them, let our light shine, 
that others may see our good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. I know this church. I know this church reaches out. I've been here and seen the outreach that goes on here to the community. Amen. We have to go to where they are. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Amen. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's be like the Energizer Bunny. Amen. Keep going for the kingdom of God. Secondly, the second thing Jesus did is that he cared about her. He didn't come and, 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 you know, and, and use uh, some you know, uh, means of his title or his position. No, he came and showed care and compassion. See, people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. Amen? So, so the first thing is we're to go. The second thing is that we're to care. Caring is uh, showing the compassion of Jesus and, 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 and loving people. Caring is yesterday my wife and I went downtown and, and we went to Navy Pier and we, we, were, we wanted to go to Portillo's. Anybody like Portillo's? Yeah, yeah. We wanted to go to Portillo's and, and get some Italian beef. And it was about a mile walk, and so, so we, we wanted to get our steps in. Everybody's got to get their steps in, you know. And uh, so we wanted to get our steps in, so we were walking, and, and we walked past this homeless gentleman who was laid on the sidewalk and wrapped all up. And so we went on past him, and, and it both touched our hearts. We were compassionate. We went in and we ordered our meal, and the guy messed up our meal. And instead of giving us two Italian sandwiches, beef sandwiches, he gave us three. Wow. Now, I thought it was a mistake. Got a little upset, actually, and then it dawned on me. Take that sandwich to that homeless man and show the love of Jesus. Amen. And so on our walk back by, I dropped down beside him. And I said, here's a hot sandwich. And he said, thank you. He said, thank you. See, they don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. And then the final thing is, we can't stop short of just going and caring. We got to share the gospel. See, what... Here, here's, I, I, here, I know some plant, some water, and God gives the increase. He gives the harvest. So I, I may not have the opportunity to go back by that gentleman ever again, but my prayer is that somebody will come by and, and share and plant and water the seed that has been sown already. And I pray that God would do that. Sorry, this is not supposed to go off, but it did. My prayer is that someone will come along and water that seed. Because what good is it to have a full stomach and have an empty heart? Amen? What good is it to have a full stomach and have an empty heart? What, what, we can't stop at just putting clothes on people's backs and not share the gospel. 
it would it would be it would be just such a, a, a sad it would be so sad pastor if you just went to india and and just put clothes on her back or just put food in her stomach and without a, you know, the, str- the strategy or the the plan or the design to reach the soul because what profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his soul So, I pray that you receive my message today to challenge us to have a renewed vision for the lost. I want to see, I want to see the people that I know that are broken through the eyes of Jesus. I want to see the people that I, I believe that need an experience with God through the eyes of Jesus. I just don't want to look at a Muslim and write them off. We've won Muslims to the Lord in our little town, our little city. We've we've won Muslims to Jesus. But if I'm not careful, I look at that as the enemy and and I never share the gospel with them. I don't want to look at at, at, what I know as someone who is living in adultery and just write them off and, 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 and just reject them and ostracize them. I want to be like Jesus. I want to wait at the well and, and be able to enter into a conversation with them and begin to share the love of Jesus with them and, and begin to share biblical values and biblical truths and biblical principles with them so that they know the truth. Because only the truth can set you free. Amen? Praise God. So, may God help us to go, to care, and to share like Jesus. Amen? Praise God. Would you pray with me today? Father, we love you. We thank you that you have given us Jesus. You've given us life. We pray now that you would just stir in our hearts a renewed passion to be your ministers and to look at people through the eyes of Jesus. I pray today that we will have that capacity of vision and that we will not just be hearers but that we will be doers, that we will execute what you've called us to do in Jesus' name. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment, you're here today.